May I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. and those scribes. They are busy this morning. They are there to find out who are the insiders and who are the outsiders. These disciples of Jesus who are not washing their hands. Are they the true religion? What are they doing? This is the question that lies at the heart of our gospel reading and also at the heart of our letter from James. We're trying to define and grapple with this idea of true religion. Who's got it right? And we make these definitions of true religion in order to define who are the insiders and who are the outsiders. Who are the people that get it right and who are the people that get it wrong? This is one of the Christian church's favorite arguments to have. It is embedded in our DNA. Here it is living in our oldest scriptures, our most sacred text. We also find it in our readings that we're going to hear next week about the Syrophoenician woman, where the question of, does a woman who is not a Jew, who is a different nationality. Is she worthy of Christ's miracle? Is she worthy of Christ's healing? And I got to tell you, Jesus gets it wrong. It's an amazing story. One of my favorites. I hope you'll come back. (laughs) Another one of our favorite arguments, transubstantiation. Those who believe that the bread and wine and communion actually become the body and blood of Christ. Well, those people have true religion. Those are the ones who get it right. And everyone who believes otherwise is wrong. And they're outsiders. Or in our own Episcopal church, we argue about baptism before communion. Are we supposed to just let anyone come take communion? Or should they go through these prescribed sacraments that our tradition has laid out? Is this true religion? This is a big argument and a big question that we ask ourselves all the time. Who are the insiders? Who are the outsiders? Now, as I went through the process of getting to know this parish, and getting called here, I had a chance to read the Holy Cow survey that folks in this parish took. And one of the primary goals that emerged from that for this parish is to develop and implement a comprehensive strategy to reach new people and incorporate them into the life of the church. Awesome. This is a church that doesn't want insiders and outsiders. This is a church that wants everyone to come and to know this amazing story that we have to tell. And that makes my heart sing, I have to say. So let's think about this, this major goal of this place, to bring new people in. I want to tell you a story about a family I know that they're kind of like the golden demographic that every Episcopal church in this nation is trying to get into their church doors. And this is the young family. 
Everybody wants a church full of young families. Now this family, I know, they live in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's a mother and a father and two children. There's a girl who's four years old and a boy who is nine months old. The mother and the father both work full-time jobs. They travel for their work, each of them probably at least once or twice a month for long stretches. Every morning, their life is chaos. They get up, they get the kids up, try to get everyone fed. The four-year-old goes to her daycare, the nine-month-old goes to his daycare, and the adults go to work, and they're scattered to the four winds. Around 6 o'clock or 6.30, with everybody's commutes taken into account, if they're lucky, they come together and they share a meal, try to wrestle everybody down for bed with varying success at various times, and then they rest. This is the family that every Episcopal church, it seems, wants to have in their pews. And I happen to know this family very well, and I happen to know that they are desperately seeking community. They've tried everything. They go to the potlucks for uh, their children's daycares, they attend the parent council meetings, and yes, the nine-month-old has a parent council at his daycare. <laughs> and they still haven't found their people. And they've said to me, you know, We've tried all these different things, we just haven't found our group of people. And I smile and I nod and I say, oh, that's very interesting. I keep me posted. Well, one time they came to me and, and the, the mother said to me, Annie, we did it. We finally found our people. And I said, hallelujah. They found their way to an Episcopal church. They joined. They signed up to teach godly play. Yes. But sadly, this was not the case. They said, we signed up our four-year-old for soccer. <laughs> and I have to say, I, I think at four, the term soccer is kind of a, a loose term, really. Um, but she described her experience and it was beautiful. She said, my daughter was out there in her brand new uniform, running around in nature, playing and smiling and giggling. And I was on the sidelines with my infant son and my husband and there were all these families around and we talked and we connected and I really felt like these were my people. And I was so happy she said, yesterday, I think, I think we found our people. And then I realized something. We were talking on a Monday. So yesterday, when she found her people, was Sunday. How many of you have heard somebody talk about soccer as the great enemy of the church these days? <laughs> Now let's get real. How many of you have said that before? <laughs> this is a real question. How do we make this family an insider? They feel like outsiders right now. They choose to spend their time doing different things. What little precious time they have outside of work and commutes and just managing family life. How do they spend those precious few hours? 
I think, I think this is a family that needs something different from us. I think that James, in his letter, gives us some incredible wisdom for how we might invite this family and families like it to be insiders to our church. James, in his letter, says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Imagine what the world would look like if people said, ah, you know those Christians? They are good listeners. What would the church look like if that were the case? Because here's the thing, whenever we as Christians define religion, whenever we start speaking and start saying you're an outsider and you're an insider, we defile ourselves. We get it wrong. Because in that moment, we're making insiders and outsiders. To say that this family is an outsider because they're playing soccer on Sunday mornings instead of sitting in a church, is that Christ's vision for the church? Christ does not want a church of insiders and outsiders. I believe that Christ is looking for a kingdom. This kingdom of God that encompasses and welcomes all people and treats them with respect and justice and with empathy. The church and the kingdom of God is not insiders and outsiders and this church denomination over here and that church denomination over here. It's a kingdom. It's a community. And I think that the way that we bring people into that kingdom, into that vision, is to listen. It's the very first thing that we do. And if you've had a chance to read my welcome letter to the parish, that is the very first thing I'm doing in my ministry. I'm not telling you what programs you need to do. I'm not telling you what things you need to build or anything. I'm trying to listen. It's the first task of ministry. It's the very first thing we should do in any of our work that we do in the name of God, listening. Now, I want to be clear. It's not be quick to listen and don't ever talk. It's be quick to listen and slow to speak. We will have a chance to talk about evangelism and what it means to tell our story as a community, as individuals. That's important stuff. But the very first thing we must do, the first thing we must be quick to do, is to listen. So I want to invite you to try it this week or this month. There's no deadline. But try listening. Think about who it is that you know that you want to see in this parish. Maybe it's a young family. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone in a retirement home that you know that you think could use some friendly community. But think about who you want to see, a specific person or a family. And invite this person or family over for dinner. Just invite them for dinner. I can guarantee you if you're going the young family route, if you tell them, hey, I'm going to make you a meal so you don't have to cook, they will say yes. <laughs> Do not worry about anybody saying no. But invite somebody over for dinner and listen. Listen about their lives. Don't ask them about where they go to church. 
Don't ask them if they're happy with their spiritual journey. Don't ask them what they do on Sunday mornings. Just listen. Learn about their lives. This is the first step. It's inviting. It's listening. It's saying, we want you to be an insider, but we want to know who you are. We want to make space for you. That is the action that could speak louder than any words you might say. So think about this family that I mentioned, the young family. What would happen if you were to invite them over and just listen? Something might happen. I believe the Holy Spirit might do its thing and wiggle its way into the hearts of these people. That's not my work. That's God's work. My work is to open the door, to create the space, and to listen. And I have this relationship with this family that is ongoing, and I'm not going to invite them to church tomorrow or any time in the near future. But I'm going to keep showing up, and I'm going to keep listening. So I invite you to join me in this task of ministry. And as you'll notice when I preach here in this church, I, I often invite people to do stuff, and you got to tell me about it. Tell me about how it goes. Let me know. Even if for some reason it didn't quite work out the way you thought it might. But let's try to adopt this wisdom that James gives us. To be quick to listen. To not defile ourselves by defining true religion and marking insiders and outsiders. And let us truly create and be this kingdom of God that we are called to be. Amen.